guys up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. How's it going? Jeremy Rushing here for episode, let me check the notes again. I always forget the episode number 88 of the podcast. Um, we are, of course, presented by SodaSoccer.com. And joining me as always, fellow contributor to SodaSoccer.com, uh, writer, podcaster, everything man, Dominic Jose Bizonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great. The weather was uh, less bad today in Duluth. I think it's going to be better tomorrow. Lots of soccer to talk about. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. When you say less bad, I mean, it's all relative, right? What do you mean by less bad? Let's 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 get specific. Um, it was like the temperature itself was pretty mild. I think it kind of I think at one point today it got a little bit into the 40s. It was in the mid 30s most of the day. It did rain quite a bit for a period of the day. But overall, it was fine. Tomorrow, I think it's supposed to be sunny and like high 30s. But to, the day before we were recording, um, and and actually, really, the whole like Sunday to Tuesday, there's been on and off snow. So th- this was this was you know much more manageable relative to the conditions we saw in Madison, Wisconsin. How are things in, <laughs> in today? You know, while I was at work, it was not, it was kind of similar for a little bit. It got better here though. I get, maybe it moved over there. Maybe that was, you know, but um, yeah, no, no watery camera lenses at my job today though. No fishbowl at your job, huh? No, it was not a nineties rap album cover. So (laughs) that's good. That's good. Um, Before we get into talking about the uh, nineties rap album cover, that was Minnesota United and forward Madison few housekeeping items here. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast feed, please do. Let's you know when you drop a new episode of 10,000 Pitches, new episode of Post Loons, new interviews. New stuff is being added to the podcast feed all the time. So subscribe so you're in the know. And uh, it's right there in your feed for you whenever we drop something new. Also, leave us a rating and review if you have not yet on your preferred podcast platform. And follow us on all the socials at Soda, S-O-C-S-O-T-A-S-O-C. Yes, the camera lenses were watery. The conditions were unideal. Uh, but it was a uh, historic match as Minnesota United made the trip to Bree Stevens Field and Forward Madison, the first time the two have ever faced off in competitive competition, the first time an MLS team has ever played a competitive match in Madison. And it was the Tier 1 side in Minnesota that got it done 2-0. Uh, to eliminate Ford Madison from the U.S. Open Cup in the third round. Minnesota United now moves on to the round of 32. Dom, before we really get into the nitty-gritty, your just overall initial impressions on the match itself, kind of the historic nature of it, and the outcome we saw. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a really interesting matchup. I thought Madison uh, represented themselves pretty well. Obviously, 0-0 at halftime, um, 1-0 until pretty late in the game, so you have to say that's a pretty respectable loss for them. Uh, we'll talk more, but I was, uh, pretty interested in how scrappy this game ended up being, Mm -hmm. um, the, the, arguably the, the pitch equivalent, the pitch end of the rivalry, uh, might have been the most aggressive of all the aspects of the rivalry between these two teams. And, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk more, but yeah, I, I think it was a really interesting game from a lot of different angles. A lot of players that needed to show up certainly did do that. And so, uh. A lot of conversations are going to sprout out of this one. Absolutely. Starting 11 for the Loons, Tyler Miller in goal. Backline of O'Neill Fisher, Brent Coleman, Nabi Kimaguchi, and DJ Taylor. 
Uh, it was Joseph Rosales and Ja'Cory Hayes in the defensive midfield. Uh, we had Adrian Unu at the 10, Bangakuli Khongwane on the left, Nico Hansen on the right, and Abu Danladi up top in the starting 11. So some interesting choices there. Obviously, Adrian, he said it was going to be far from the uh, the A squad that saw the field against Madison. Um, interesting choice with Adrian Unu at the 10. I wonder if that's a precursor to something we could potentially see um, you know, him ne- maybe not necessarily playing up top, but more playing a deeper uh, role in the formation moving forward for Minnesota. But as you mentioned, Dom, nil-nil at half. Um, and in the end, we'll get into, into the specifics of the goals here in a second. But to me, you know, if you're an MLS side playing a USL League One side, you should be pretty confident that you can outclass the other team on the field, right? But that might not be where you have the largest advantage. To me, when I look at an MLS roster versus a USL League One roster, I think of the MLS side sort of maybe being the far more athletic and more physical side, more physicality, more, um, more size, more athleticism. And I think that really, I mean, scoring two goals off set pieces, I think is what made the difference for Minnesota. They had a ton of shots. Um, in the run of, in the actual run of play, no goals from those specifically, but two set piece goals, and it really was just sort of out athleticism, out jumping, out positioning forward Madison on those set pieces that got it done at the end of the day for Minnesota. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you make about athleticism. If you look at a lot of the games um, so far on these two days of the of the Open Cup, uh, some of which have not happened as of recording, but uh, from what's happened. A ton of the games have been MLS teams beating USL teams or, or well, no amateur teams were played by MLS teams, but lower division teams um, beating them 70 minutes or later in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so several games today went into added extra time as well, and, and some of that happened yesterday. So uh, a lot of the MLS sides that are winning, which is most of them, have been doing so by just kind of being better at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think you absolutely can make the argument that that athleticism that you know a lot of people characterize as being a big part of, of American soccer compared to a lot of uh, other parts of the world is, uh, is what's proving to be the difference maker. Very few of these games are ending in blowouts and almost all of them are being decided very, very late. And that's usually a sign that one team had a better shape, better form uh, uh, physically than the other. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely when you look at how the goals were scored, they're, like you said, set pieces, very physical. Not that Ford Madison is, isn't able to be physical, but there were moments where Minnesota United players were able to step up and just read the situation better, move their bodies better, tussle for the ball better. Uh, especially late in the game. So without a doubt for Minnesota United and for every MLS team really that I've seen play anyways at this um, round of the competition, that that athleticism, that physicality has been the decider. Absolutely. And we saw that on the first set piece opportunity via a corner kick in the 51st minute after scoring in the uh, MNUFC 2 MLS Next Pro Match over the weekend on Sunday. Uh, Adrian Unu follows that up by getting the opener here in the 51st. Um, I thought a really, really good um, set piece, not only taken by Rosales, but the movement in the box really opened things up for Unu to get that header 
Um, there was a lot of misdirection, you know, from Coleman, from other guys um, that not only allowed Adrian Anu to get that open space, but as we mentioned, sort of utilize that athleticism that he might have over the USL League One defenders to put that ball in the back of the net. Um, corner kicks, that pieces haven't exactly been the bread and butter for Minnesota United. So it's good to see from a confidence perspective, maybe, um, you know, getting that goal via a corner kick and give them a little bit more confidence that they can capitalize more on those opportunities in a league play as well. But all in all, confidence builder for Unu gets you on the board in the match, gets you ahead in the match. Um, and so just all in all, I think a, a positive sign um, getting that opener. Yeah, absolutely. I think t- two things on this. First on Anu, uh, yeah, great to get that goal. You know, in the first half, I, you know, I, we talked about when I um, joined you on uh, Talking Flocken the other day, We talked. I talked about how this game uh, is going to be a big one for his fate with this team, uh, mm. simply for the fact that he he's clearly out of favor in terms of starting. He's not really getting a lot of chances to do much. To begin with, this is a rare one where he's starting a game, uh, and it is a first game, first team game, albeit in a in a cup competition against a lower division side. Uh, so, if this game had gone well for him, that's a huge factor. If it had gone very badly for him, also a huge factor in his future of the yeah. team, in my opinion. First half, uh, he uh, he missed a, a really easy chance to actually open open yeah. the scoring and kind of flip the shot wide. It seemed like there might have been a deflection, hard to hard to tell, but. Point being, had a very easy opportunity to, to score. Uh, when that happened, you start to wonder, oh boy, are we in for the second option of those two things? You know, what is this going to And obviously, it's zero, 0 at that point. So, long story short, for him to get that header, to get that opening goal, clearly, uh, you know, his reaction to getting that goal was, was huge enthusiasm. He seemed really invested in the game. Uh, that's very encouraging for uh, for for his long term place in this team, I don't think him scoring a goal against Ford Madison means he suddenly starts starting no. over Amaria. But know. this game, the Minnesota United two game you mentioned, we'll talk a little more about those sorts of moments. He's getting some goals. He's getting some activity. In this case, in front of Adrian Heath, uh, that can only help uh, you know his place in the team. And and obviously because we're going to be continuing to be in the Open Cup after tonight. Uh, that's more opportunities for him to be starting in those games at least yep. and and potentially forming more of a place in the team um, you know, by the summer because the next round is in, is in May. So he could at least have some fundamental place in this team defined by summer, which would be great for him. And, and just on the other end, just for the team as a whole, and we'll talk more about the Open Cup, I'm sure, but uh, I think this win tonight is important. I think this is a competition that Minnesota United have to be invested in i think the way 2019 ended uh what was heartbreaking for a lot of fans i think a lot of people thought that was going to be it that was going to be the time that this team would win silverware in in those first couple years um and if they had i think that would have really changed the the psychology around the team Mm -hmm. the fact that we didn't i think change the psychology around the team yeah definitely um and so not to say that they have to win it this year, but this competition has to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we actually have a very strong chance of drawing another lower division team in the next round because of who's won the games around us, uh, that means that, to be honest, the Loons might have a much easier path to the round of 16 than pretty much every other MLS team. 
Yep. And uh, that creates a situation where it's almost inexcusable to at least not make the deep run. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, glad that a, a very serious roster was played tonight. And, uh, and hopefully we see that sort of dedication to the competition continue. It also adds an, an air of uh, uh, an extra layer of uh, a legitimacy or, um, I guess, um, respect around this club if they can be a club that perennially makes a deep run in the Open Cup, right? If they can build off 2019, take that into 2021, make another deep run, doesn't have to, doesn't mean you have to go back to the final, doesn't mean you have to lift the trophy. But if you can be that team that is always counted on to make, you know, the, the semifinals, quarterfinals of the Open Cup year in and year out, that's right. going to add that extra layer of respect. And oh, by the way, you're a perennial playoff contender in the Western Conference and the MLS every year too, right? That's right. going to, to just continue to add a little umph, a little something more to look forward yep. to from the supporters. Obviously, it brings more confidence from an organizational standpoint. Maybe makes a little bit more of a destination for players who are looking for places to go in MLS. Like, oh, this team has, you know, always puts themselves in a position to lift some silverware. Maybe they haven't got right. done yet, but they're always right on the cusp. That's the that's that's a good spot to be in from an organizational standpoint. Um, so if you can build off that and keep a keep a good run going year in and year out in the Open Cup, uh, I think that's going to do good things for you. Continue that snowball rolling in the right direction. But I don't want to make this super one sided, Dom. I want to talk about Madison a little bit more um, and what they did in the first half. I think they really did what I think you anticipate the lower tiered sides to do in these matches play solid defense and break out when you get the opportunity to do so. Minnesota was knocking, knocking, knocking at the door in the first half. Ford Madison played a lot of bend, don't break uh, defensively. Eric Leonard in that center back position for Ford Madison was amazing. Everything you would want him to be and more. Um, there were a couple of other standout um, performers as well. There were a couple really, really good opportunities from an attacking standpoint for forward Madison that didn't come to fruition. Um, but as you mentioned, Dom, they, they did themselves proud in this match. I don't think there's anything to hang your hat on losing two nil to a team like Minnesota. Um, you, you played well, you kept it close. You're in the match up until that 83rd minute uh, sealer from Minnesota um, that we'll talk about in just a minute. But you know, the first half was a stalemate. Minnesota had their opportunities before Madison, you know, credit to them. A lot of forward, Ma a lot of Minnesota's missed opportunities were due to really, really good defensive play on the Madison side. Um, and I just want to want to give them credit. I think they played a, a fantastic game. Um, in the end, the war of attrition went the way of Minnesota. But I think, again, forward Madison has a lot to be proud of moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously there's always going to be things that, that they can look back and, and nitpick about or, or want to have been better, but they, they put up a very good performance. Like like I said earlier, you know, there, there were really no blowouts in this whole round, maybe save the San Jose result against Bay Cities. Um, and, and, and Madison did very well too. I mean, even when it got to 1-0 uh, and for the next, you know, 20 minutes or so after that, Madison did a, a very good job of staying in this game. They did well with the opportunities they did have to go forward. Uh, and, and they defended very, very maturely. Uh, and yeah, look, it's, it's very difficult when you're in their position to win a game like this. You're mm -hmm. having to deal with two levels of lead superiority. You are playing a team, in, in this case, you know, sometimes when you watch cup games from different parts of the world, or to sometimes even the Open Cup, but certainly like the, the FA Cup, for example, in England, the Premier League sides will just like play a lot of kids. This, that, this wasn't kids. You know, yeah. uh, 
you got guys in, in this Minnesota United squad that have experience playing in uh, Europe's top five leagues. You got guys who are MLS veterans. Uh, you know, you, you have a ton of experience with an MLS and also abroad in, in this squad. So by all means, they did themselves very quite proud with, with that performance. Um, they can now focus on, you know, their, their league season, which has started well, but what could certainly be doing better. Um, and, mm-hmm. and hopefully they take the quality they showed tonight as a sign that they can, you know, push their boundaries in, in league one play um, once they return to that in, in a week or so. So, um, yeah, I, I really, other than the fact that obviously they would have liked to move on, I really don't think there's that many negatives to take from this game. I guess, yeah. you know, the, the only the only thing that really pops out that maybe they could have done done better with is that towards the end of the game, things got quite scrappy and some of the tackles got yep. quite irresponsible. Uh, that being said, that was also just the, the, the vibe of the game. That wasn't just down to them per se. Yeah. Um, I think the whole game got a little out of hand at the end, but yeah, um, it did. Overall, that aside, they did very well on a on a different night. Maybe this performance equals a result better than this. You know, I mean, they they certainly didn't play badly at any point. So, again, they like many other, you know, Greenville tonight uh, also did very well, but lost to Charlotte. Obviously, Union Omaha won the other night. Lead one, I think, has represented itself very well at this stage. Yeah, and I think they're and specific to this match, Ford Madison had the respect from Minnesota United from from the opening whistle, right? Yeah. It was not going to be a situation where Minnesota United was overlooking Ford Madison. Adrian Heath has coached in lower league soccer. He understands how that is. He understands what the Open Cup means to lower league teams. Um, it's not just lip service with Adrian Heath, like, oh, we're taking this game seriously. We're not overlooking them. Like, he has the experience being on the other side of that coin to back it up. And it was very, very clear that in preparation, in travel, in everything, that they were treating this match like any other league match. And you saw it You saw it in the way Minnesota defended, too. Minnesota defended extremely well in this game, specifically keying in on those pieces for Madison who could really, really do damage against them. Christian Enriquez was a non-factor for forward Madison tonight because he had the attention of Minnesota United's defense. And when you have the attention of a, a defense in MLS that's actually one of the best overall defensive cores in the league, you're not, it's going to be tough, right? Um, especially for a young kid like Christian. He's got a he's the sky's the limit with him. I think he's an excellent excellent player. I think um he's going to do great things in American soccer, you know, wherever he wants to play. He's going to do great things in his career. But he had the respect and he had the attention of Minnesota United's defense tonight. So you could tell that Minnesota was taking it seriously. They had a great defensive effort on their end, which is credit to Madison for earning and demanding that respect too, being a respectable club, a team that was really not going to fly under the radar against Minnesota. But that also makes it really difficult to surprise that higher tiered side when they are giving you that much respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you with right at the start of that you mentioned that right from the start, it seemed like both sides respected each other. And I definitely got that feeling as well. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, Adrian Heath, you know, both from coaching and also, you know, playing, of course, having played in England where there's a lot of awareness of the different levels through through cup competition and also, you know, yep. just through lead play with Pro Rel. Um, yeah, he clearly is aware of the dynamics of, of that. And and I, I, I think it would be fair to say of all the good and bad things people say about uh, 
Adrian Heath, I, I think, um, you know, in, in this team's history in the Open Cup after joining MLS, uh, once we stopped constantly just being drawn against SKC and losing every year, um, <laughs> We, we we've we've had we've had a good record against lower league teams that we do play, but I I think we also have a, a record of approaching those games in a respectful and determined manner, yeah. um, and and you know playing players that we believe are capable of, of performing well in general and and and, and all of that. So um, tonight certainly continued that, and and I imagine whoever we draw next, if it's a lower league team, that 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 mindset will continue. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Ninth Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Ninth Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Ninth Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Ninth. 9th Street MPLS, that's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. Um, we haven't talked about the second goal yet. It was scored by Minnesota's own Brent Coleman. Um, insurance goal, again, off another Joseph Rosales corner kick. So two, um, two, two assists in a 90-plus minute performance for Rosales. So really good performance from him, obviously. Coleman gets that second insurance goal in the 83rd, and that ultimately is the difference maker in the 2-0 uh, Minnesota United win. Now, moving forward here, there will be another draw for the round of 32. Um, and the way it's looking, especially with Detroit and Omaha, both moving on in the region, it looks like, uh, barring some sort of weird happening with the draw, um, and it seems like U.S. soccer is really trying to lean towards matching up MLS teams with lower league teams wherever they possibly can, as deep in the tournament as they possibly can. Um, I have to imagine that Minnesota in all likelihood is probably going to get another um, lower league team. Can you imagine Minnesota going to Detroit? Smoke, <laughs> darkness, and smell? I'm all for that. Sabotage, <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, but uh, I think just another really good opportunity for Minnesota to play an opponent that they haven't played. Um, you know, really good opportunity for that other club, whoever that is, to get uh, another opportunity against um, a, uh, an MLS opponent, um, whether it's on the road or at home, um, should be another intriguing matchup, whoever gets drawn from Minnesota in that fourth round. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, even tonight, the game against Louisville City and St. Louis City 2, uh, those teams actually were potential re uh, geographical matchups for Minnesota this round. Yeah. Um, you don't think of them as being close, but 
you know, there's not a lot of soccer teams out in this part of the country. So um, Louisville uh, City, who who won that game, you know, they're in the mix. Detroit, Omaha, uh, Chicago being out and Columbus being out are, are big removals of, of big opponents for, for this next round for Minnesota. So, yeah, you can see some really interesting matchups. Uh, Detroit, obviously, you know, just the aura of that team, the fact that they beat Columbus, the uh, sabotage memes that erupted from the <laughs> Michigan Stars game. Um, you know, there's a lot of narratives there. Uh, if they draw Omaha, that'd be interesting. You know, uh, Union Omaha have a pretty good friendly record against Minnesota United. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting little narrative to follow there. And obviously that's uh, also a League One team, but one that has been an MLS team uh, in this tournament already. So uh, that could be a really interesting matchup. And, and you know, it, there's potential for it to be another team. But certainly if it's a lower league team, there's still a lot of really interesting competitive narratives to follow there. Um, and, and particularly, you know, if it's someone like Detroit, who obviously beat the Columbus crew in open play and, and, and regulation play, um, that could be a very difficult match. Yeah, you know, presumably. Detroit's Minnesota, good, man. Yeah. Detroit's really good. Presumably, Minnesota will have league matches around that fixture as they as they did this round. And so um, rotation is going to be at play. And if that is the draw, I think that becomes – uh, a matchup that has to be, yeah. I'm I think that becomes, the draw for Minnesota. Yeah, I think it becomes a matchup that you have to approach almost like an MLS game, if that's the oh, 100%. one. You have so to. that while I think that'd be a very exciting draw, especially if it's an away match, I do think that becomes um, a, a considerable threat to Minnesota's potential for making a deep run, which maybe is a good thing. Maybe that's what you want. Obviously, you want it to be competitive. So, um. Yeah, a lot, lot of really interesting things to see uh, in the draw. I believe it's tomorrow as of when we're recording. And uh, a lot for Minnesota to think about in the in the month or so between now and that and the Nets match. Also, Detroit, to me, has this sort of Team of Destiny vibe with them that maybe I just jinxed by bringing it up. But they really sort of seem like they have the quality they have, if they can draw another home match, they obviously have the the home field advantage there in Detroit. Um, you know, they, they're one of those teams that's similar to kind of New Mexico in, in 2019. Like just one of those USL championship teams or just a lower league team in general that if any team is going to make that deep run, it feels like they're it. Yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, it, it, they're, they're sort of the... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if they would like this or not, but it's hard to, it's hard to please them sometimes. But they have that anti-hero en- energy. You know, they, they've got mm-hmm. that, that momentum behind them, that symbolism behind them for what they represent at all sorts of levels uh, in, in American soccer mm-hmm. um, that you, you can only imagine how much uh, fun and entertainment and, and strangeness could arise from them, you know, making a run to, say, the round of 16 uh, in this tournament. So... Yeah, absolutely. You know, if Minnesota becomes part of that journey, that's going to be a really interesting chapter for for the Loons and and probably a very difficult one. Yeah. So um, just sort of spitballing what this region could look like for the next round draw. Obviously, Louisville's there. Detroit's there. Omaha's there. Cincinnati's there. uh, Kansas City is there. I'm not sure if Colorado will be lumped into that or not. Um, But those are the teams that I can think of off the top of my head. Am I missing any? Dom, or does that sound about right? No, I think that I think that would be 
everyone everyone that that seems close enough to be real i don't think colorado will be in because i think colorado will probably play like whoever wins rsl and and north colorado but um but yeah no i i think it's those lower league teams we talked about and probably cincinnati and and sporting kansas city are are somewhere in, in there as well something about rsl and the open cup like they're getting they they broke their own attendance record tonight did you see that now yeah uh, more than yeah. more than almost almost 18,000 in salt lake for rsl in northern colorado so so pretty cool there but um just a quick aside there um but yeah so it'll be interesting to see who minnesota united gets drawn for in the round of 32 um but with all the uh the cup sets that have happened and the way it seems like us soccer um, wants to match these teams up, it'll probably in all likelihood be another lower league side as Minnesota United advances through the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. All right, let's take a step back here, Dom, and talk about the match prior to this one for Minnesota United. Um, it was a big win against Colorado on Saturday, 3-1, to one, um, coming off of two losses, a much-needed three points at home um, for the Loons. Starting 11 of Dane St. Clair in goal, back line of Hassani Dotson on the right, Boxall and Debassi in the center, and Kamar Lawrence on the left. Uh, it was Kervin Ariaga and Will Trapp in the defensive midfield, Robin Lud on the right, Mano Reynoso at the 10, Franco Fragapani at the on the left, and Luis Samaria at striker. Um, and this was sort of the uh the return of Ray in this one. Mano Reynoso. <clears throat> Excuse me, getting all choked up just talking about it. Mano <laughs> Reynoso really was back to, I wouldn't say peak form, but definitely saw more flashes of the reason Mano Reynoso was, you know, touted as such a such a big signing for this team. Why he really established himself as his team best, this team's best player very very early on in his Minnesota United tenure. Um, he was sort of had a had had a more vintage. Emmanuel Reynoso performance um, against Colorado. And that really, really helped propel the team to those three points. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we'll talk about this more. Sure. I'm sure later, I think, you know, substitutions in that game played a a big role, but the other engine that pushed the team to that point where those substitutions then came in uh, was definitely Reynoso. Like you said, looking a little more like himself on the night, obviously getting his, uh, First assist of the season and his first goal involvement, uh, you know, from from open play, obviously having scored the pe- uh, penalty before that um, against Seattle. Uh, you know, good performance from him, do, doing what he needed to do. Uh, and and you know, I, I think I mentioned this on on post loans um, after the game, but uh, the only the only thing left for him to do is just show that he's going to continue to do this. Uh, week in, week out. Obviously, he didn't play tonight against Madison, so you know that's that's not part of it. But uh, Chicago this weekend, you know that that's the only piece missing. Now that we see, like, all right, he's back. He's still able to do this. He's still able to play like this with this team, with this squad. Now it's just a matter of does he do it next week? Does he do it the week after that, etc. Um, but but yeah, on, on the night he was fantastic. Even though he didn't assist, he didn't score, you know, or and he didn't like assist every goal. He he was just such a big part of everything that was happening. Um, just on the ball, he looked better. His passing, his his creativity looked more alive than it has the whole season up to that point. So, uh, big performance from him, and and probably one of the main reasons that Minnesota walks away with the win. Yeah, um, it was Kai Debasi opening things up on the score sheet for Minnesota. Um, 
uh, I don't believe it was off a set piece, but it was off a cross. Um, so again, being dangerous in those crossing situations is something that, and, and set pieces is something that Minnesota United had struggled with, struggled with, but they've scored three times off crosses slash set pieces in the last two matches and sort of cro- crossing from the exterior is vintage Minnesota United in goal generation. Like that's really been this team's prime way of getting goals through the last three years or so. Um, so the fact that that's sort of coming back around, um, you know, hopefully means good things for generating more consistent goal scoring opportunities moving forward and finishing those off more consistently moving forward. Um, and then it was the uh, in the second half after a pair of substitutions um, it was Abu Dunlady and Bangakui Khlongwane coming in for Franco Fragapani and Luis Maria. And what this did is it moved Robin Lud from the right wing to the striker position. They put Dunlady, I believe, on the left, Khlongwane on the right, and Robin Lud played up top for the last 15-plus minutes. And that was when they generated both goals to run away from Colorado. Now, what's interesting about this is Adrian Heath would make a similar substitution late in games pretty consistently last season where he would, if if it was Robin Lud on the right and not Ethan Finley starting, he would bring on Robin Lud for Adrian Unu. Or excuse me, no, sorry. That's not uh, the substitution. <laughs> you yeah, bring no. Ethan Finley on for Adrian right. Unu. Ethan Finley would then play the right wing. Robin Ludd would get moved to the nine. And that seemed to be a really good kind of go-to late game sub for Adrian or for Adrian Heath. Maybe not late game, but just second half sub in general. Right. Something similar here where you make a second half substitution that moves Robin Ludd to the nine and it pays dividends. There's a theme here. There's a pattern here. You don't have to, you know, be a be a rocket scientist to sort of see that that this could be something that really does continue um, to provide consistent quality, specifically in terms of late game adjusted adjustments for Minnesota, making that switch from Robin Lud from the right wing to the nine. What say you, Dom? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about this before, but yeah, as you were just saying, um, we saw the return of that strategy against Colorado. It seemed to work. You know, Eli and I talked after the Nashville post loons after the 1-1 draw um, against Nashville about how, you know, Robin Lode's one of those players where it's hard to really tell quite where he's destined to play. And so does that leave you just having to sort of figure it out as you go and maybe move him around? And he does seem to be that kind of player. I, I don't think he is a striker, pure a pure striker, but... no when you throw him in for a certain amount of time and a certain energy of a match, all of a sudden he's quite good at doing what striker are supposed to do. So yeah. it's a weird one because it may, it's not evidence that is going to really change much of what you're doing when you're starting 11. But as you saw last season, as you were explaining, it is something that Adrian Heath has to see and, and go, well, that's something I have to really keep in mind when I'm managing my bench every match, especially obviously if the match is not going Minnesota's way. So uh, 
yeah, it, it, he's one of those. It's 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 just a weird player, probably to to manage in that sense positionally. But uh, I like that we're seeing the return of that strategy as an option. Doesn't have to happen every game, but as an option. Uh, and I'm I'm glad to see that Lord is still seems very willing to to do it to be a part of it. He still seems to have the mm-hmm. connection. By the way, having that connection in this Colorado with a new group of players around him. The two guys yeah. to the, his side aren't even guys that were there last year when he mm. was kind of creating this setup. So um, I suppose that's that's even more credit to him that, you know, this is something he's capable of doing even when you're changing the people moving around him. And, yeah. uh, and you know, like we talked about after the game, there is a there is a power, a benefit to throwing a little bit of chaos into the end of a match. Uh, and, and that's very much what that system, particularly with Juan Juan and Delati at the wings, created. It created str- strangeness and, and uh, a sense of chaos in a game that had kind of gotten bogged down into a very specific flow. So um, that's something teams need to be able to do. That's something that Minnesota United needs to be able to do. Um, it's something that I don't necessarily think the team was doing at the start of the season when matches weren't quite going their way. I like that that changed against Colorado. I hope it continues to be an option that they're willing to consider uh, when when you're getting into the 60, 70th minute and things just aren't quite working. Uh, because at the moment, we're not seeing from the starters that if you leave them 90 minutes, they're going to figure it out the last minute. That's just not what's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, and so if, if that means substitutes have to be the game changers, then do it. Use them. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, anyway, I, I think it's great to see that that is something this team is willing to do offensively specifically, not not changing fullbacks when you're losing, but changing the striker when you're losing, changing the left wing or the right wing when you're losing. Um, that that That's just such an obvious key to winning matches in this sport. So uh, it's encouraging to see it. And uh, I, I hope that we continue to see Lord's diversity positionally be used as a strength instead of as a, as a quirk or an asterisk on him constantly just playing his one position. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean it. Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with sodasoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian National Team all use Stimulus to outfit their club jerseys game gear and apparel they need and stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well it's pretty simple just head to stimulusathletic.com start a conversation with their amazing team and let them know jeremy from soda soccer sent you again that's stimulusathletic.com for a lot of the inconsistencies that we talk about and sort of uh you know get a little bit frustrated by this minnesota united team i think one thing that they've really done a good job of this year um, it hasn't necessarily paid dividends until that Colorado match is they have not seemed to settle for the result, you know, in the 75th minute, 
whatever that result is, whether they're level or whether they're behind or whether whatever it is, they really haven't seemed to settle for that particular result. They have been done a good job of pressing the attack and getting goal scoring opportunities late in matches. They just really haven't been able to put the ball in the back of the net in those opportunities. So what do you do to sort of potentially fix that issue? Put your most reliable goal scorer in front of the net in late matches, right? Seems very, very simplistic, and I'm probably oversimplifying the crap out of this. But it does just, from that surface-level perspective, make a lot of sense that you would put your most reliable goal scorer in that position to maybe help finish off more of those chances. And lo and behold, you get two goals, one from the guy who you put in front of net, Robin Lud, uh, and then two minutes in the 77th, and two minutes later, um, it's Abu Danladi uh, finishing off a chance, opening his account, um, and sealing the win. So, you know, the Loons have been dangerous late in matches and have been knocking on the door late in matches. But that Colorado match was the first time we really saw them finish off those opportunities. And it makes sense the way that was set up by Adrian Heath. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 that's that at the end, that's what matters is that the coach is able to and the players are able to read game by game and figure out what's needed to to unlock the 80th, 90th minute. Um if if that means bringing on some younger kind of more dynamically moving guys when you got, you know, your starters not quite having the energy they had at the start of the game anymore and they're not quite producing, then that's what has to happen. Uh, it, it was it was it was such a game changer. I mean, a lot of this wasn't just me or you. Basically, all of Minnesota United fandom or whatever were talking about how different the 15 minutes prior to that substitution were to the 15 minutes after that substitution. And again, those goals both came within 10 minutes of the substitutions. Um, that's not that's not saying that you have to switch those guys out for that starting 11 against Chicago or anything like that, but substitutes matter substitutions matter and so they need to be used to the best of their ability they need to be used in a way that's going to benefit the team in the moment in a sensible manner so it was it was great to see that against um colorado who clearly were not quite prepared for that change and were completely caught off guard it would seem by it and uh, and hopefully that sort of against a team like chicago who is very good on in the defense that same sort of quick change of rhythm could, could be very useful. And you mentioned it, Dom. Next up, Chicago Fire at Allianz, Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Central Time. Kind of easy to forget, considering they're coming off one of the biggest cup sets in U.S. Open Cup history, uh, losing to Omaha. But the Chicago Fire have been one of the best, specifically best defensive teams in MLS so far this season only giving up two goals in their first seven uh, league matches this year. So, you know, it's it's a dangerous team. Yes, they may be reeling coming off that Omaha loss in the Open Cup, but it is a team you have to take seriously. And maybe, furthermore, a lot more of a measuring stick game for the Loons than maybe we originally anticipated when we saw this on the schedule. Yeah, this could be a big match for both clubs. I mean, Obviously, as you noted, the fire are not going to be very happy about what just happened against Omaha. But as much as to some that may seem like a, a benefit to Minnesota, that could be a benefit to Chicago. I mean, that could Virtually. be a huge motivation for them uh, to say, hey, that was really embarrassing. 
but the best way to respond to it would be to go on the road and lead play and get a good win or, or a draw for that matter. Um, and, and of course, most of the players that were playing Omaha will not be playing Minnesota. That was a pretty different team yeah. uh, akin to what Minnesota did against Madison. So, you know, there, there, there's things to see there, but at the same time, I don't think that result in the same way that I don't think the Madison win guarantees a win against Chicago. I don't think the Chicago loss guarantees a loss against Minnesota. So um, I think both teams, I, I think Minnesota has to approach this almost as if that game didn't happen in the sense that this is a really important game. It's going to be a very difficult game. And uh, this is a game that could really help shift momentum right now with this Colorado win, obviously relieving some of the pressure from those two losses against Austin and Seattle. But I think I say this every episode, but you know, every result is the, the meaning of each result is deeply changed by what comes after it. So mm-hmm. all the, all the positive shift that's happened with this Colorado result, which, you know, I've been part of all of a sudden it's going to look a lot quieter if, you know, we lose against Chicago at home. So it, it, everything informs the next thing and everything informs the thing before it. Uh, and, and so the, the, this game, particularly because it's at home and it's against a good team that is doing well, but at the same time is not, you know, the best team in the league where you kind of expect perhaps a bad result. Um, this, is a, this is a big momentum setter for, for Minnesota United going into you know, a couple hard matches in, in the next month or so, playing LAFC, playing Seattle again. Uh, this result could very much inform how the team feels about itself, how the fans feel about the team yep. going into that stretch. So, yeah, again, uh, one of those games that you really need a performance from. For the first time, it does feel like there's actual momentum with this Minnesota United team. Coming off two multi-goal wins, two competitive matches, you know, you could, you know, however you think about the open cup match against Madison, it's a, it's a competitive match. It's on the road, terrible conditions. Um, and you come out with a multi-goal win, you get a clean sheet. It's positive for Minnesota. Compile that with the three, one win over Colorado last year's number one seed in the uh, Western conference um, heading into the playoffs. You know, there is a snowball rolling in a positive direction for Minnesota United. Now, we have talked about this, though, in the past, Dom, that this has really been a, a pain point for Minnesota in continuing to build off of that momentum. Um, they generate momentum in cases, but they have not been consistent in keeping momentum rolling for multiple matches. Um, so we'll see if they can do that on, on, on Saturday. It's a big opportunity for them to do that against one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, so I guess we will find out, but there is that momentum there and the opportunity to build off of it. Um, and I think that, you know, um, can lead to some optimism as you head into that uh, matinee on Saturday. Obviously, um, all your coverage leading into that one, up at sodasoccer.com, recap of the Madison match from Jacob Schneider. If it's not up, uh, actually, you're listening to this on Friday morning, so that will be up on the website as well. So all your forward Madison recap and all your Chicago Fire preview um, at sodasoccer.com. Check that out. All right, moving down to the lower leagues, Dom. MNUFC 2. Um, the the top team, the senior team, was not the only team to get a big win against Colorado over the weekend. On Sunday, it was the uh, 
Uh, it was the Little Loon's turn, and it was a 4-0 win over Rapids 2 in MLS Next Pro Action. No goals from Nabi Kimanguchi, Adrian Unu, Justin McMaster, and Azeel Jackson to get that 4-0 win. Um, after the first few matches, Minnesota United dead last in the league, but two wins and just an absolute demolition of Rapids 2 on Sunday. Talk about momentum. Now the second team has momentum. And this is not just in a vacuum talking about momentum for the second team specifically and where they stand in the Western Conference standings of MLS Next Pro. That's all great too. But the more you can build confidence with some of those fringe senior team players, it gives them more confidence if and when they are called upon to play for the first team, which I think especially in Adrian Anu's case, is huge. But a guy like Nabi Kimanguchi, Justin McMaster, those are guys, it's really good to have those guys getting run of play, getting confidence, because inevitably, at some point, whether it's the Open Cup, whether it's your third match in seven days, whatever it is, those guys will probably be called upon to get some action for the first team. And if they're playing well for the second team, that could snowball into their performance on the field uh, for Minnesota United as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you look at every player that played in this uh, MLS Nets Pro match against Colorado and then played tonight against Madison, which was quite a large portion of them, they all played very well against Madison. I think there's, you know, clearly that, including the younger guys that, that were part of the, the squad today. Um, I, I also think, you know, Unu and, and Delati started uh, together against Colorado too uh, in I don't quite know what the formation was for that match, but they both started together, you know, up front more or less, uh, which I suppose probably was a very nice practice for today where they did the same general setup uh, with Unu as the 10 behind him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's good to see this team being used in a very effective way. One in the sense that obviously so the young guys getting experience, but also you have it being used to re-coordinate uh, the senior team guys get them minutes they need, get them recalibrations they need, um, get them time together. And then a lot of them show up for this Open Cup match and perform very well. Uh, the other thing I want to just throw out there that I find very interesting about Minnesota United 2 right now uh, is their first season is going strangely similar to Minnesota United's first MLS season. So uh, on the Downside, much like Minnesota United in 2017, they lost their first away match in their first home match. But then their first win came against RSL at home. And then their second win came at home against Colorado, which is the exact same thing that happened to Minnesota United <laughs> in 2017. So it's a weird one. I don't know why that's all happening, but uh, like everything's happening the same. It's very strange. <laughs> or actually, the RSL match was, was on the road. The RSL match was on the road, but the first win was, was against RSL. So in there but point being there's a lot of weird yeah serendipity about how the two teams are starting their seasons which i think is kind of a fascinating little experiment there but um yeah i i think overall this this project this mls nets pro project from a minnesota perspective is starting quite well you got guys getting minutes from all sorts of angles that need them and uh and, and you're you are starting to see that also benefit the first team now which at the end of the day is really the point of these these two teams so um, yeah, all around positives and obviously hard not to be positive after, after a 4-0 win.
We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. All right, continuing in the lower league scene now, we have... The USASA Region 2 Amateur Cup off and running. This is kind of one of my favorite tournaments, in addition to the U.S. Open Cup, one of my favorite cup competitions of the year. Um, Does have a little bit of the wind taken out of the sails with the UPSL not getting involved. So no FC Minneapolis, um, you know, no Valora senior team, no, you know, none of those. But we do get the MASL represented on the Minnesota side. Um, That represented by Valora FC. And they beat Red Star of Wisconsin 6-0 to open their campaign. And they will now travel to Focus FC from Kansas in the second round. Um, And that will need to be played, I believe, is it this weekend or next weekend? I'm not sure if it's the 23rd or the 30th. There is um, not an exact date for the match, but they just have a date where those matches need to be played by. So I guess TBD on the exact date and time for Vlora's next match. Um, another note is we were supposed to see St. Paul FC of the Minnesota amateur soccer league competing in the uh, opening round, but, uh, they were, um, unfortunately forced to forfeit their match against superstars FC. Um, and they will move on to play Milwaukee Bavarians in the second round due to St. Paul FC's forfeit. So, um, a little bit of, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstances there. But you have Vlora on the Minnesota side, very impressive in their opening win. And so we can see how uh, how far they can take this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, the, to the original question, so uh, according to the, the bracket, round two games must be played by the 24th. So it'll okay. have to be this weekend, I imagine. By Sunday, yeah. Um, yeah, as far as the uh, results, great for Valora, obviously. Um, not, not too much to complain about a 6-0 win. Um, they, they, you know, get to move on to the next stage and hopefully represent the MASL at a little bit of a higher level. Um, if they were to win that game, obviously, then really pushing the, the boundaries and, and representing that, that lower, lower level of, of soccer in Minnesota in a great way. Um, and, and, you know, for superstars, obviously, they didn't end up playing St. Paul, but um, they'll, I'm sure, be happy with being able to move on and play a big team like the Bavarians, who will be favorites in that match and are usually always favorites to make a run in this competition, regardless of who they play. Uh, and, you know, the silver line of all that from, from sort of the, the soda soccer perspective is that that's still a lot of great representation for Wisconsin across those old teams and uh, United Serbians also, or United Serbs rather 
also um, in this round, but they they don't play the winners of any of these games. Um, so, yeah, a lot, lot of great upper Midwest representation still in it, despite that that forfeit and uh, uh, Valora really carrying the flag for Minnesota. But I, I think that's a great place for them to be, and I think they're probably more than happy to do that. So, hopefully Absolutely. they uh, hopefully they put up a good a good match against Focus. And on the women's side, USLW League, as we gear up for the start of the season coming up in just a few weeks, Minnesota Aurora continue to fill out their roster, and they have done so with triplets. Yes, you heard me right. Minnesota Aurora signed all three of the Rab Sisters, R-A-P-P, um, and they're from Evergreen, Colorado, uh, developed at the youth level with Real Colorado. Um, Elizabeth and Rami Rapp are set to join the University of Oklahoma this year, while their sister Catherine will join FIU, Florida International University, uh, for the 2022 uh, college season as well. But ahead of that, in the summer, all three of them will play for Minnesota Aurora. Just another in a long line of storylines centered around Minnesota Aurora, um, obviously making headlines seemingly, seemingly every week. Last week it was the kids. This week, it's the triplets um, continuing to stay sort of at the forefront of, uh, of Minnesota soccer. And um, based off what I read, it sounds like all three of these girls can play too, which I guess is the most important part, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like they're all quite capable of uh, yeah. of playing soccer. And so that's really interesting. That's a really cool dynamic to bring into a team um, to, yeah, I mean, not just have sisters, but actually triplets kind of, kind of oh, once, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't even know if that's happened before. <laughs> I don't know no, if that's no. happened before. Um, it does give me a cool vibe of, you know, Minnesota United have had brothers play on the team together before, brother, brother-in-law, and all that kind of stuff, obviously with the Coleman family. So um, it does kind of give me that vibe, which is cool. But, um, yeah, this is really interesting. I, I genuinely don't know if it's ever happened before, certainly not recently at this area as far as I know. So it's a cool little – fact for for aurora to have but but also again like you noted they all are talented soccer players that hopefully will just you know be contributing to the team on that level so um at the end of the day that's probably what matters more but but cool that that aurora are kind of looking to invest in in things in a way where they're interested in getting all three sisters you know they see a talented family but they want all three of them you know and and to get what they can out of that connection and that that family is kind of a cool dynamic. So yeah, really excited to see how they, how they do with the team. And then potentially, I don't want to make any declarations here, potentially one of the most, um, I guess, intriguing signings for Minnesota Aurora um, as they round out this roster. They have signed Addie Simons from Utah State University. Now, this is a very decorated player coming off just her freshman season. Um, all newcomer honors from the Mountain West Conference last season. And she was in the top drawer soccer, top 100 following her freshman season as well. So we're talking about a top tier Division One college talent coming to Minnesota Aurora for their inaugural season. Very, very exciting stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Aurora's made a couple signings through this, uh, you know, large amount of signings that they've made, obviously, for the first season. Made a couple signings that are uh, eyebrow raisers, I guess. Um, in a good way. I, yeah, in a good way, in a good way. Uh, and I suppose the Rap Sisters are in a way an eyebrow raiser, uh, but but 
this signing uh, with, with Addie Simmons is, is a really interesting one because like you pointed out, like this is a person coming in with, uh, with accolades, but, but also just with great stats, great record behind her um, playing at a really high level still has a lot ahead of her in that journey as well um, that you would imagine would just increase her motivation, her hunger to get involved. So it's, it's a really interesting signing, really interested to see how she fits into the mix. Um, you know, once, once games start and, and again, just a good show of the ambition of, of this uh, staff of this team that they're really looking to get, you know, some local, some from afar, um, really looking to get good pieces to build a team around uh, that, you know, certainly they, they, they have the efforts they put into marketing and all that, but um as far as the actual soccer goes, they seem as dedicated to getting a really good group together, which is really exciting uh, for a team that has the potential to make a lot of history in terms of the women's game in the state. So, yeah, again, just very reassuring to see um, that dedication on and off the pitch from from this team. A team in the MPSL building out their roster is the Dakota Fusion and also doing so with Division One talent, Lenny Miro from Presbyterian College. Uh, is joining the uh, the the fusion for 2022. You have Takira Mirakawa and Koda, Koda Sushisawa um, from CCBC Essex in the uh, JUCO in JCAA, and then Kevin Zapata from D2 Davison Elkins. So uh, building out that roster with really really good college talent, obviously capped off with a D1 athlete like Lenny Miro. We talked about a few weeks ago how. Um, it seemed like there was a real focus on um, replenishing this roster, retooling this roster for the fusion and sort of getting back into the top tier of the MPSL North where they were so used to being. Um, and after a couple of years being knocked down to sort of the, the mid-level or the basement of the, uh, of that division, they're looking very, very committed to moving back up the table. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really interesting roster and it's, you know, something I noticed, um, kind of prepping for today that had not fu- fully occurred to me before is, you know, when, when you see a team, even at this level, bringing in so many new people. And I mean, it looks like this might be almost a complete roster of, of new people that obviously can have issues. You know, we've seen before teams, even in the MPSL North do that and, or do something similar to that and have, uh, you know, maybe a first, uh, a rough first couple of weeks because the players just don't know each other. But there's an interesting dynamic of this roster that perhaps could help avoid that in that most of these players are only coming from a couple places. Uh, Presbyterian and, and, and Davis and Elkins, for example, are the homes of like a dozen of these guys almost. Uh, it, it, you know, they're, they're, and even in this announcement, you got two guys coming from CCBC. You know, we got a, there's, a, there's a couple places where they're drawing a lot of these guys. And so there is actually going to be a, a lot of familiarity. Another thing I noticed is, you know, it's a, a relatively international roster, but five of these play, five of the players coming this season are Japanese and five are German. So you, even in the international portion of the roster, you have folks that are going to have points of connection. You know, it doesn't mean they're going to be best friends or whatever, but points of connection, things to build off of. Uh, when they're getting to know each other, getting to know how to play with each other. Uh, you combine that again with the fact that there's going to be these bubbles of of shared time with colleges. You know, I think that's a really interesting way to start fresh for a team, but maybe avoid some of the damages of that. So 
Yeah, I mean, you know, as we said before, I think the Fuse are going to be a really interesting team to watch this year. I think they're definitely going to be uh, better than they have been last couple seasons, and I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, have a couple upset results against the the sort of usual powers of the MPSL North. Yeah, I mean, with the return of the Twin Stars and sort of the uh, presumed reemergence of the Fusion, um, and then obviously you always have Med City, Duluth, and of course Minneapolis City there as well. Um, really looking to be a very interesting year for the NPSL North, especially considering sort of the, the new, um, I guess, initiatives being taken on by Minneapolis City and the USL League Two, and also balancing them out with the NPSL, NPSL North roster as well. Um, it's going to be a very, very intriguing season. Um, a lot of intrigue in the NPSL North this year, for sure. And of course, that also includes Duluth FC as they announced 15 new arrivals for the 2022 season. Um, you know, social media manager Harrison Law was, I'm sure, very, very busy making graphics uh, for all 15 of these guys. Um, but that really is uh, capped off with Minneapolis City Futures product, Augsburg University sophomore, and Shock B native. Jesse Suarez joining Duluth, a big signing for them. And you talked about sort of a uh, a good mix of, uh, you know, uh, international talent for the fusion. Well, you have that with Duluth as well. Four English, two Irish, one Guatemalan, two Colombian players in this last batch. Um, and obviously this club does have a huge history of building around large cores of British, Irish, and Latin American talent. So, um, and that's worked out for them in the past. Um, and obviously they built those relationships and they're continuing to nurture those in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. You know, anyone familiar with the the history of this team, uh, particularly post Dassel, uh, will, will know that, that particularly British and Irish talent is such a huge part of the, of the history of Duluth FC. Obviously that, you know, that history survives in, in the form, for example, with, uh, Sean Morgan, of course, as head coach now, um, so, you know, not surprising to see that continue, have have more of that in the roster, but uh, but definitely an interesting continuation of tradition. Obviously, the team also is trying to invest in local options, local talent, but keeping that um, Scottish, English, uh, Irish, Northern Irish connection is uh, a really interesting thing. And, and it'll be interesting to see if how those guys compare to sort of the the the. Legends is a strong word, but probably for this level. But the legends of uh, of Duluth FC, most of which are British or Irish, the the Sean Morgans, the Tom Corcorans, the Kyle Ferrars, um, big big shoes to fill. But but uh, I, I you know who knows? I mean, Sydney Warden did a pretty good job of it last year. So um, it'd be interesting to see if any of these guys you know make make their mark on a team that's had marks left by a lot of folks from their part of the world. Dom, I did the math. Uh, nearly four hours this in the last seven days, you and I have <laughs> looking at each other through the stream yard doing soccer podcasting. Um, so that is where we're going to leave it this week. No top four. Um, I'm sure Dom is completely sick of looking at me <laughs> through the uh, through the Zoom, through the stream yard here. Uh, but before we go, do need to plug a couple of stories you can check out right now at sodasoccer.com, led by the man across the screen for me, Dominic Jose Bisogno, and a really excellent feature on Whitney Brown, who has played pretty much everywhere in the NPSL North, maybe except Duluth. Uh, um, but uh, I mean, this is a this is a guy when you talk about veterans of the lower league Minnesota soccer scene, um, they don't get more prominent 
and more relevant than Whitney Brown, um, a name everybody knows in the lower league Minnesota soccer scene. Um, and obviously, um, you know, a story that I think deserves to be told. And I, I'm glad you were the one to tell it, Dom. Can you fill in uh, some of the some of the details without yeah. giving too much away here? It's funny that the way you introduced that, because I actually, when I had my conversation with Whitney, I kind of teased him about, you know, you and your brother, Martin Brown, of course, his brother. I also play for Minneapolis City and Joy Athletic. Uh, you know, your your brother, you and your brother have formed a lot of people's memories about the NPSL North. And I have to admit to you, for me, it's mostly bad memories. But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, but anyways, yeah, I mean, the, the Brown brothers are are some of the most important players in the NPSL North's history, uh, without a doubt. And and Whitney Brown, his journey from uh, playing for Osseo Senior High School to playing for Minnesota United Reserves back in the NASL days when when the reserves played in the PLA, uh, to you know, uh, trials, professional trials that he had. He talks a lot about that really interesting dynamic of his journey, and maybe not. Everyone that you know maybe knows him from NPSL play knows about. He has had several professional trials with teams that you are very aware of um, that you know didn't work out. And he talks about some of the reasons he thinks they didn't work out, and and that's an interesting aspect of his story and, and one that affects a lot of athletes in this country. Um, and then obviously you know writes a whole new chapter in his athletic career with Minneapolis City and Joy Athletic. It's just a really interesting guy. He's uh, got a lot of interesting things to say. He's a, a you know very well-intentioned person, very talented person, um, and uh, I, I really suggest learning more about him. He's returning this year for his uh, fifth straight year in the NPSL North. He's played every year of this conference existing, and uh, you know I I it's last year was actually one of his best years with Joy Athletic and uh, statistically, anyways, and. Uh, I expect this year to be very entertaining for him. I, you know, I don't think he's going to be a senior citizen or something. I think he's going to be very active and I think he's going to affect a lot of people uh, with how he plays. So I suggest keeping uh, tabs on him and maybe learning a little more about him through the article before uh, you see him on the pitch this summer. Yeah. I mean, with, uh, with Emmanuel Iwe playing with him in UFC too, uh, you know, I, I imagine Brown might even play a more prominent role with the goats than he even did last season this year. So really, really good stuff. Another story you can find right now at sodasoccer.com is Jacob Schneider's match recap for Ford Madison and Minnesota United, not a one-sided recap by any stretch of the imagination covering the bases quotes from both Adrian Heath and Matt Glazer following the match. Um, so make sure you check out that recap at sodasoccer.com as well as uh, Dom's great piece on Whitney Brown. Um, we got a match preview coming up. Uh, if you're watching, if you're listening Friday morning, uh, should be on the way uh, from sodasoccer.com for the Chicago match for Minnesota United. Um, if you are listening late in the day on Friday or even on Saturday, that should be up for you to view as well at sodasoccer.com from our very own John Marthaler. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to, and checking out all the content we're putting out at sodasoccer.com. Um, we really do appreciate it. Um, can't can't thank you all enough for listening reading consuming supporting um you know everything you guys do checking out checking us out on social media and interacting with us there um it's been really cool first few first couple months here at soda soccer looking forward to more fun as we get into the lower league seasons here in just a few weeks um but that'll do it for this edition of Ten Thousand pitches he's dominic jose bizonio i'm jeremy rushing and we will catch you next week for another episode of the 10k
See you guys.